to it, God must bring the fire. Uh, in our passage, which I'll read in a moment and give you a little bit of background, uh, let me, the setting for the passage of uh, 1 Kings 18.38, fairly famous passage of the Old Testament. It's been preached on a lot. It's Elijah, of course, and challenging uh, the time of Ahab and Jezebel when Baal really had taken over the worship, for the most part, the worship of Israel had switched from Jehovah God to Baal. The priests of Jehovah had been neglected. Uh, the uh, things of Jehovah had been neglected. His sanctuary had been defiled. <clears throat> Basically, what happened is they brought images of Baal into the house of God. Uh, that is still the methodology of the devil, still. He brings a world. The biggest insult the devil can do for, to God is to bring the images or the things of the world into the sanctuary. The pattern is the same. Uh, they have, uh, the next thing that happened is they stopped financially. The people of Israel stopped supporting uh, the priests uh, and the people who ministered, the Levites. And so they could no longer stay in the temple and went out. And then to go back to their fields and back to their houses so this family could survive. And uh, so all of that has stopped. Uh, they also quit bringing and uh, in, in, in quit supporting uh, the financial part of the temple. They also quit bringing their sacrifices in. Uh, they abandoned, as it were, the law of Moses. They had picked up the philosophies and practices of the heathen around them. They adopted strange gods made in their own images, their own ima imaginations too. And so at this time of history, Israel seems to be, in vast majority, worshiping a god called Baal, often referred to as Lord of the Flies. But really, he was the god of lightning. He was the god of thunder and the god of rain. Uh, there were totally, we, we know from the Bible, there were about 850 uh, priests and prophets of Baal. That's a lot of people. Uh, Jezebel, which was uh, Ahab's vicious, wicked wife. I will say Jezebel must have been an absolute knockout, head turner. Um, but she was wicked. And the Bible says that she caused Ahab to do more evil than he would have normally done. And it can happen. Uh, but Jezebel was, was big into financing and taking care of the prophets of Baal. And Elijah, and this, this makes a lot more sense when you know what I just said. Elijah, God's man, God's prophet of the day, 
I call him the lone fundamentalist. The last fundamentalist. He, um, he called for a drought. He asked God for a drought. Three and a half years. Now remember who Baal was. The God of thunder, God of lightning, God of rain. Well, it makes sense that he would say, okay, you think Baal's God. Well, how about this? It's not going to rain for three and a half years. And of course, you know the story, how God took care of, of Elijah, uh, had him fed by birds and and other miraculous ways that God took care of him. Um, but by the end of three and a half years of no rain, trust me, three and a half years of no rain in South Florida. Let me try to describe what this would look like. The Sahara Desert. We're basically sand. Florida is 99% sand. Okay, there's not much else in the soil. And so if you cut the rain, the organic turns back to sand, and you just got sand. This place would literally blow away. We have to have a lot of rain because our soil is so porous. The rain just goes, doom, doom, you know, out to the ocean. So you have to have a continual amount of rain to make things grow. It looks so green, looks so wonderful around here. You have to have a whole lot of water. So the land of Israel became desolate. Everything died. It turned brown. Animals died. Streams dried up. People were scarce. They had enough water to drink. Uh, it was desperate times. Uh, uh, following on the heels of that was economic depression. It was not. It was uh, the worst of times possibly for them. They, the poverty and depression took over the land. And Elisha, Elijah, I should say, which believed he was, by the way, the last fundamentalist. He was the last. He thought he was the last one left. And really, it was not till after our text, which we've not read yet. Um, that he was told by God that there were still 7,000 other fundamentalists, people who had not bowed the knee to Baal. They were still faithful to God. And brother, that makes me happy. I, I could just be happy right now. Sometimes we get, we get, we get as fundamental Bible believers, we get feeling like, man, you know, maybe we're just the last of the Mohicans any of you Indians out there. Uh, maybe we're just the last of a breed. Maybe the young people aren't going to pick this up. I'm not worried about that at all. I'm not worried about that at all. There's a God in heaven. And brother, he's the same God that revealed himself to me as a young person at 18 years old. Trust me, in the 60s was not a good religious time for America. Free love, smoking dope. It was not a good free time in America. You know, uh, we actually, I think about the 60s, we actually had more political unrest than we got now. Kent State, burning stuff, burning time. It was crazy. Vietnam. It's, it's mild now compared to then. And yet God raised up a great group of young people for Jesus out of the 60s. Uh, he, he still can do it. He said, I still got 7,000. Don't, don't worry about that. He's not going to say 7,000. Surprise. Let me give you the Gomer pile. Surprise, surprise. Don't count us out yet, rock and roll churches. Don't count us out yet, modern churches. Don't count us out yet, doctrinally careless churches. 
Don't pronounce a death sentence on God's people who want to do his will just yet. Elijah, as you most of you know this, I'm just summarizing it, comes to them. Basically, the children of Israel on God's command. And he challenges them. He says, look, if Baal's God, let's worship him. If Jehovah's God, let's worship him. Let's settle this. Let's all meet outside of Mount Carmel and all get, gather all the prophets of Baal, all 815, 850 of them, 400 of the grove, if I remember right, or the other way around, and, and so about, about 850 in total. And we're going to let them go first. They'll build an altar, and they can put the sacrifice on it. You put the wood on it. You do everything, but you can't put the fire to it. There's one thing you couldn't do. You couldn't put the fire to it. And I'll do the same. And the first God, or I should say the God, that answers by fire, he's God. You all agree? And they said, yeah, the God answers by fire. Because remember, Baal is the God of lightning. Fire is the God of lightning. And so surely Baal, well, we'll get together in a big conflagration and, and we'll build that altar and prove once and for all that Baal's God. So um, I, I get a kick the way Elijah taunted them. Uh, he said, you know, after they were calling on Baal and began to cut themselves and all this other stuff, he says, well, maybe you're not being loud enough. Maybe he's on a journey. Well, the Hebrew, our, our guide over in Israel, which was by the Arabic, he said that that means he's going to the bathroom. Well, that makes it make sense to me. He was really taunting them. He said, oh, maybe, maybe Baal, he's off to the bathroom and he can't hear you right now. Maybe you should get a little louder. Maybe you should, maybe you should dance a little more, sing a little more. And they went wild, man. They played the rock music wide open. They blasted it. They said, surely they'll come. Surely he'll come. But nothing happened. Nothing happened. But Elijah, he's just rubbing it in. He says, okay, now you had your shot. But now we're going to build my altar. So he takes and builds the altar, puts the wood on it, sacrifice. But he does something different. He says, go get you some water and pour water over the top of the wood. They dug a trench around it. And they poured water over the wood once. He said, do it again. They poured water over that wood and everything again. Now, everybody's watching, right? They did it again. And the Bible says they poured the water till the trench filled up with water. The, the sacrifice was wet. The wood was soaked. And I've started a lot of campfires. And trust me, nothing will make you crazier than wet wood. You can put five gallons of diesel fuel on that thing, can't get it going. And uh, he says, okay. And he builds that altar. And, and this, I did all of that to get to the verse 38. 1 Kings 18, 30, I'm going to actually read 37, 39. And Elijah bows and begins to pray, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Boy, we need that, don't we? Then the fire. 
of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Brother, I love it when God comes. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Now, this was not for Jehovah's benefit. He knew He's God. He knows He's God. God knows He's God. God knows who He is. God knows His power. God knows it's for you and me. It's for us. We in our lives, have to see, in some degree, the fire of God to help us. And God's willing to show it. What we need today is what Elijah and these people of Israel needed in their day. What each of us needs is the fire of God to descend upon our churches the fire of God to descend upon the mar- our marriages. I just uh, I hear almost weekly of immoralities going on with preachers and deacons and church members. It's so sad. Paul said those things not not to one time be mentioned among you. <clears throat> those things happen when it gets cold. It gets cold. Brother, it don't happen when the fire is there. We need the fire of God to descend upon our work. Fundamental Bible-believing people ought to be the best employees that ever been hired. We ought to be the best workers that ever been, been made by God. We ought to be the most honest people. You should be able, I should be able to give you my checkbook and feel comfortable that you're not going to spend a dime that's not yours. I ought to be able to let you go through my house and, and, and never, not one time, think that you're going to pick anything up that's not yours. Glory to God. In 17 years, and I only say this for your benefit, but in 17 years of land floor covering, I was in a lot of houses. <clears throat> I had the opportunity to steal carpet, pad, all kinds of other stuff. I stand before you, and probably the reason I'm here tonight is because I felt that I answered to God, and I didn't take a dime, not anything from those people, nothing. You know what? Before you're going to be in leadership, God's going to test you in the trenches. You're not going to, God forbid, the guy that gets to be in leadership without being tested in the trenches. The fire of God, we need the fire of God upon our children. We need the fire of God upon our government. And I think in some degree we're seeing it. I've heard things said in governmental positions about God and Christ that I've never heard in my life. Never, not one time. I'm talking about bold. I'm talking about holy boldness now. I got a video, which I was supposed to show you, but didn't show you. But I'm going to show you on Wednesday night if you'll come to the prayer meeting. It's about a woman, a House representative was asked to pray. One of the representatives asked to pray. That old girl 
Man, she took the gloves off. I mean, I got a blessing out of her prayer. I mean, whoopee, there were some people squeeze, squirming around in that house. We can do lots of impressive things. We can. We can do a lot of impressive things in our own energy. We can build in our own energy structures. In our own energy, we can accumulate properties. In our own energy, we can amass great causes. In our own energy, we can accomplish massive and great fundings. But we cannot cause God to send a fire. That's something he's got to do. And only God can do that. Elijah, well, he had done a lot of things for God. He'd obeyed God in all of his instructions. Elijah had preached to the people. He'd assembled the people together. But when he prayed, he at that moment needed God to come. Amen. And they'd have taken him out and lynched him in a heartbeat had God not come. And I just liked the way God came. What about you? I read that story and I just said, glory to God. He burned up the wood. He burned up the all the sacrifice. He burned up the rocks. He burned up. The, the, the uh, sand around the thing, it took out the water. Nothing left but a black patch. Remember who they said thought was God? Baal. Oh, no. You've been deceived all this time. Buddy, we need God to bring the fire. I went through the Bible just briefly and looked at some places where God came in fire. I thought of Moses. It says... Now Moses, in Exodus 3, it says, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert. He came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. An angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. The bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. The Bible says God spoke out of the midst of the bush and said, take your shoes off. For the ground you're standing on is holy. I remember Beneth Jones. She's in heaven now. But Beneth Jones uh, preached to the ladies here a couple times. I think a couple times. And uh, first, I never had, I, you know, Bob Jones, I knew Beneth Jones or knew of Beneth Jones. But you don't get to meet those people. You don't get to meet them high up folks. I mean. And so I was walking from this direction. And I walked over there and I noticed Beneth didn't have her shoes on. There are shoes over there. She be barefoot. And she says, well, when she got behind the pulpit to preach to the girls, she always took her shoes off. I thought, well, that's appropriate, holy ground. So I said, well, I'm taking mine off. I took mine off and preached the same thing I preached to the girls and took my uh, bulletproof vest off. Exodus chapter 14, the Egyptians, when they pursued the children of Israel and pushed them up against the Red Sea, the Bible said the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all the Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. came to pass in the morning when we watched, the Lord looked into the, under the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. 
And of the cloud that troubled the host of Egyptians, you know what happened. Took the wheels off, killed them all. When Solomon built the temple, I, I, I did some uh, mathematical uh, with some other people have done it before me. Mathematical uh, addition on what it, you know, today's money, what would it have taken? What, how much did they spend on Solomon's temple? I believe it's right around $5 billion, about what it costs to build the wall. $5 billion. Most of that was, was saved by David. He really had most of the money saved before he died. $5 billion temple. My, oh my. So you think about the building of this temple. Man, excitement. Think of the building of this temple. Excitement. I mean, wow. They'd never had a temple like this. It was built out of gold, and it was built out of ivory, and it was built out of stone. And there wasn't a sound of a hammer because they so pre-cut, they pre-cut everything and brought it and just fit it together. It's still not knowing how those old boys fit them stones together and pre-cut them stones. Uh, there was a guy on TV the other day that said he believed that they had laser cut them things. He said, we couldn't even laser cut them things that good. He couldn't figure it out. Engineer, Mason. He said, how'd they do that? Can't put a piece of paper between them still in some cases. Oh, the temple's built. It's really a seventh wonder of the world. And then we get we come to our passage here, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 through 2. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, and he prayed a sweet prayer. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. You and I can do all kinds of activities in this local church. We can work and have meals and do visitation and, and pass tracts out and, and, and work Work, and there's nothing wrong with that. Work till Jesus comes. We work and work and work and pour all kinds of finances and getting the word out. But boy, brother and sister in Christ, we must have God give us the fire. I think of Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 2. He's getting ready to go, to go home. Boy, I'd like to die like this. I mean, really, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to, but I really would like to go this way. It came to pass as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. Horses of fire. And part of them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Then when Elisha, Elisha was in a city called Dothan, he's surrounded by the Assyrians. I mean, the Assyrians, as far as you, evidently Dothan's down in a little valley, and all above them on the ridge, there's the Assyrians as far as the eye can see. I tell you, old Elisha's the servant. He gets nervous. Real, you ought to be getting nervous. Get nervous. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, 17, he says, he answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And it's that way today. Sometimes you hear, 
You get on the major media and you think this whole thing is shot, is over. These people are going to come in here and lynch us. They're going to cause everything we do to be hate speech. They're going to sue us out of existence. They're going to arrest who they can't sue. They're going to vandalize and terrorize and what they can't legally get rid of. And then I think of what Elisha said to his servant. He said, don't fear. They that be with us are more than be with him. Ooh. And then look what he says. He says, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. <laughs> I need to see that. I need to see that once in a while. You need to see that. You know what's wrong in the average Christian life? They got everything but fire. They got the right book. They got right doctrine. They got right application. But you and I can't live on that. We need the fire of God. We need him to come down individually specifically in your life and show you something that knocks your socks off. Show you the fire. Oh, God, give us fire from heaven. I like it in the book of Acts. New Testament, you got a little fledgling 120 people in the upper room. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven and of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house that they were sitting in. And there appeared unto them a cloven tongues like a fire, and it sat upon each one of them. Oh, to God we need that. And they were all filled with the Holy, Spirit, Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. You don't know how much I wanted that when I was overseas. You just don't know. If you've ever preached through an interpreter, it's some sort of purgatory. Buddy, I just want to say, Lord Jesus, I don't need to know it. I'll just preach in English, but have them understand me in their mother tongue. He didn't. He said, no, you're going to have to go to school and learn it. Once in a while, though, God has made it happen. The very angels of God, the Bible says, his angels, he causes his angels of his spirits and his ministers are to be a flame of fire. Lastly, our God, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, preach a sermon around it, is a consuming fire. We cannot produce the fire. We cannot manufacture the fire. We cannot fake the fire. We cannot pretend the fire. God must Bring the fire. I believe you and I, Jesus said you receive not because you ask not. Do you believe that to be true? You know that's the Bible, right? I think it's a great prayer request to say, God, give me the fire. Give me the fire. Pray for it. Pray for the fire of God in your marriage. 
You may be here tonight, and your marriage is on the end, edge of breaking. What's crazy about it, men normally never know that. Men go along like a, like a dog, you know. You give him a bone, he's happy. Men go along, everything's good. My wife loves me. And when she comes to him and finally says, it's over, I'm getting all your stuff. I've transferred all the money over to my account. I gave you like a light bulb. I hired a lawyer. His, his nickname is Barracuda. And the guy goes, I didn't even know I was in trouble. I've heard that. I can't believe how many times. The guy doesn't know his marriage is in trouble. We need to pray that God puts fire in our marriage. Let me tell you, you can't force yourself to love somebody. You can't force yourself to like somebody, especially like. Love as a Christian is a choice, it's a decision. I made a commitment to my wife for better, for worse, sickness and health, and richer and poor, even when she got old, that I was going to stick with her, be faithful to her. At the exclusion of all other women, I was going to stay faithful to this one woman. But God needs to send the fire so that when I look at her, I go, well, the fire. Then I actually like her. I like being around her. I like her presence. God's got to give you that. You need to pray, and we need to pray that we get a fire of God in our witnessing. I'm not talking about enthusiasm. No, no. I'm talking about something supernatural. I'm talking about God coming. That when you begin to talk to somebody about Jesus, all of a sudden they get something comes over them that makes them serious, and you'll see a tear come in their eye, and they'll begin to be broken. And brother, that's the fire of God. Repeating the gospel is one thing. But seeing the fire of God when you repeat it, that's a whole nother. We need to receive the fire of God. We need to pray for our government. I think this last election was an absolute, bona fide, outright miracle. I think the fact that they haven't assassinated him and uh, tried to wipe that whole thing out is a miracle. I think we're living a miracle at this moment. And I think good things could be rolling back for the United States of America so God could allow us to have freedom to continue to do what we've done here. The very fire of God descended down. It wasn't a Russia collusion. It was God, the maker of all that is, because there is no authority but of God. And the Bible says it clearly, that there is no power of God. The power of the bees are ordained of God. And they don't believe in God for the majority of them. Don't believe in God. Don't believe in his power. And they, they wouldn't give him credit for the end of it. But we will. I give him credit. Amen. And you know, he picked the most unlikely of the 16 guys. I mean, he, he picked one way out from where I was at. We cannot live the way we should live as, as a Christian without the power and without the fire of God. You say, brother, how do I get it? How about ask God for it? Make it on your regular prayer requests. Make it on your marriage requests. 
Ask God that your kids get the fire of God. We've had some 22 young people in this church that are now in their 20s, probably all of them in their 20s, that have chosen Jesus, that have chosen to do the will of God, that have chosen to go to Christian colleges, that have chosen to serve God. Brother, that's bona fide miracle in the day you live. What happened? They got a taste of the fire of God, something you can't fake and reproduce except God does that. And for your kids, that's the only thing that's going to save them, if they see God. So Elijah gets on his knees and he says, Lord, manifest yourself. And God comes with fire. God has to send the fire. May it be so. Father, help us tonight not to go through this life without the fire of God, without the filling of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just pray that you'd just guide every family in this room, every individual in this room. What's lacking in this world, if you look at it real real carefully, it's the very presence of God. May Lord Jesus, we, we that call on your name and have thy Holy Spirit, may we do that which is pleasing in thy sight and be what you would have us to be. As Elijah was, as Elisha was. And Father, your fire would be with us. When we need it, when it's important, that the fire of God may descend upon our lives. Descend upon Gospel Baptists. May this place be a center for a spark. A spark of revival. It cannot be explained any other way than God came. Father, help us as a church. May you anoint us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.